Anybody know why we're a nation today? It's interesting. I love American history. I think American history is so much fun. Uh, it's so tragic, but you can learn a lot from it. We are a nation today, not because we left England. We're a nation today, not because we won a battle. We're a nation today because we got together and we said so. We said so. We made a declaration, actually. That was it. It was the thing that made us a nation is we got together and said so. It wasn't enough for us to win a battle, sail across the ocean, settle up colonies. That is not what makes you a nation. That's it, not it. If we hadn't made a declaration, we'd still be wondering who we are. The thing that actually identified us as a nation is when people got together and they said they were a nation. They called it a declaration of independence. They declared their independence. Declarations are powerful and actually necessary, and they're very, very kingdom. They carry weight. There comes a point in your life, in God, where declarations start to become a part of your existence. Not just praying and petitioning from earth toward heaven, but recognizing that you're seated in heavenly places, carrying authority of heaven right now, and so you start making a decree or a declaration. The Bible says you make a decree and a thing is established. From a place of royal identity and authority, when you make declarations, things are established. As long as the people who have been declared over come into agreement or alignment with them. If the Declaration of Independence had been made and nobody else in, in, the, in the country had agreed with it, it would have just been another piece of paper. But they said, we made a declaration, and everybody went, yes, to that declaration, and voila, we are a nation. That's how we became a nation. So... Throughout the Bible, God has made declarations over us we may be completely unaware of. You know, there's all kinds of promises about you. You're the righteousness of God in Christ, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, all those things. You're a child of God. We sing about these things. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. It comes from Romans 8, that we've been broken out of or not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father, Right? So a lot of declarations have been made over our life. Let me give you one that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. In Numbers chapter 6, and we'll finish up with this tonight. Numbers chapter 6, somewhere around the last part of the chapter, verses 40-something. Numbers chapter 6, excuse me, I'm sorry, it's 22, uh, 22 through 27. Number 6, 22 through 27. God comes to Moses and Aaron, and he says, all right, guys, I want to tell you something. This is how you're going to bless the children of Israel. This is how you're going to bless them. And this is one of the very first things, declarations, that God tells a priest to make, a priest to make over someone else. And what God's trying to do is, again, he's trying to instill within his kids something of identity. This is an impartation of identity. It's actually one of three prayers of God in the Bible. The other two are found in the New Testament. One we know of as the Lord's Prayer. The other one is the high priestly prayer of John chapter 17. But in the Old Testament, God actually wrote a prayer. And it's the very first declaration that he has a priest make from his heart on behalf of the people. And he gives it to Aaron, and it's found in number six. It's called the Aaronic blessing. I didn't say erotic blessing, and I didn't say moronic blessing, all right? 
Just make those disclaimers because I've been misunderstood before, right? It's called the Aaronic blessing, is what we call it. So God tells Aaron, this is how you'll bless the people. And if you grew up in a traditional church, a lot of times they ended the service this way. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. I see a lot of you know that by heart. And uh, in our own church back in, in Orlando, we say this every single week. And I started realizing that because we don't realize what we're hearing, it's very difficult to come into agreement with something if you don't believe it has power. And remember, as I said last night and this morning, you get to choose how you respond to the presence of God. The same sun that melts ice hardens clay, so you pick and choose your response to the presence of God. God can actually show up in a room, and and only people who have a, a, a hunger and a thirst for going after the kingdom, seeking first his righteousness, will end up getting the filling. God wants to fill everybody, but he's looking to entice hunger in all of us. But it takes actually an intentional, intentional, purposeful response to say yes to this declaration. So let me, let me just let you know what you're saying yes to, why God is saying what he's saying. So let's break it down line by line because this thing carries so much power. I mean, I can hardly even like, I have a hard time reciting it with as much sobriety as I just did, right? So let's break it down line by line. First thing is the way that it's set up goes like this. And again, keep in mind, God is trying to break people out of this old, old covenant mindset to bring them into an awareness of their identity as sons and daughters. So God says, Aaron, I want you to ask me to do something for my people. Now think about that. Let's say that you know, God comes to me and says, um, Bill, I want you to ask me to do something for Tim. I'd be like, wait, 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 leave me out of the equation. You're God, you're good, you like him, you guys have your own thing going on. Don't put me in the middle of this. Don't make me responsible for what you do or don't do to Tim. But God's desire is to actually connect us together. So what he does is he looks for a priest and says, priest, I want you to care enough about these people to ask me to do something. Okay. And here's what you're going to ask me. First line, the Lord bless you. Now, the word bless is a fascinating word. It literally means bend low in the posture of a servant to make yourself available. It's like, it's like when my son or daughter, when they were little kids, if I'm standing around talking to a bunch of people, they come up and they tug on my coat or my shirt and they say, Dad, Dad! And I'm like, oh, I want to let them know they have my undivided attention. And I drop down on one knee and I say, you have my attention. What do you need? That's the exact same posture. As God says to the priest, priest, I want you to ask me to bend low in the posture of a servant to make myself available to my people care enough about somebody else to ask me to do that for them. Can you think of a time when God actually did that? Sure. Jesus, at the Last Supper, in the last hour, with his disciples, girds himself with a towel, takes a basin in water, and he bends down to wash the disciples' feet. 
takes on the posture of a servant and does this very thing. What is he doing? He's actually physically acting out the beginning line of this benediction. The Lord bless you. The next line is, and keep you. The word keep is the same word that God gave the challenge to Adam to keep the garden, to tend the garden. And that is, I'm giving you responsibility to guard this thing, to, to, to take ownership of it, to have responsibility in it. So he says, God says, priest, I want you to ask me to keep my people. In other words, take responsibility for my life, take responsibility for my possessions, take responsibility for everything about Everything about that which is important to me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The next part. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. What does that even mean? Have you ever, have you ever had somebody walk in the room and you love them so much, it's like your face lights up? Yeah. You ever walked into a room and somebody sees you and their face lights up when they see you? That's exactly what God is saying here. In other words, I want you to ask me to light up when they come into the room. Like as if I care enough about my brothers and sisters to want God to manifest his love to them, to let his face just light up when they come into the room. This is God asking us as priests to care enough about people to say, Lord, may your face light up when Tim walks in the room. May your face light up when Amber walks in the room. The next line, and be gracious. Why do I put so much emphasis on that? Because in the Old Testament, you don't see a lot of grace. You just don't. In the Old Testament, you see a lot of judgment. You see a lot of punishment. In the New Testament, that's where we seem to find the grace. But there is no place in the Old Testament where anybody asked for grace from God where he didn't pour it out in some measure. As if he had. He always has had an unlimited supply of grace and mercy to give. He was just looking for somebody to put a demand on it. As a matter of fact, as part of the ironic blessing, he told the priests, I want you to ask me to release grace over my people. You think it's a possibility. It's kind of a question put in the back of your mind. Is it a possibility that maybe one of the reasons why we see so little grace in the Old Testament because the priests weren't doing their job or weren't doing what God had asked them to do. And instead, what was happening was what you saw is the judgment that was happening between people caused people to be in such a state of division that the priest didn't even care enough to ask God to release grace over their, 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 their brothers and sisters. But here you have in number six, God saying, I want my priest to ask me to release grace over my people. It's interesting because, again, we would say, well, God, if you want to do all this stuff, just do it. Don't wait for us to. But God is looking at us going, I just want to know whether or not you care enough about each other to include me in the equation and ask me to do something supernaturally that you yourself couldn't do. To bless, to keep, to cause my face to shine upon them, to release grace over them. The next line goes like this. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you. Now, this is an unusual, mysterious line. 
To lift up the countenance in, in Hebrew culture meant to change the way you think. Think about this. To change the way you think is, is, is repent. But remember this? Repentance is the word metanoia, which just means to change your mind or to change the way you think. Now think about this. To lift up your countenance would be like, this is my perspective. If I'm shifting my countenance, now I see differently. In Psalm 20, 24, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory will come in strong and mighty. Jesus says uh, to the woman at the well, he says, you think there's this many months and then comes the harvest? I tell you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields. In other words, when you shift your perspective, you'll see that it's already to harvest right now. He's calling us to shift our perspective continually. And here, in the ironic blessing, he says, priests, I want you to ask me to lift up my countenance upon my people. There's some mysterious verses in the Bible where God shows up uh, to Moses and he says, stand back, Moses, I'm wiping all your people out. And Moses says to God, whoa, whoa, they're not my people, they're yours. I didn't bring them out of Egypt, you did. And what are other nations going to say? God can't take care of his own people? And interestingly enough, good old-fashioned King James Version says, and the Lord repented of what he was about to do. That doesn't mean that he was going to sin. That doesn't mean he was going to do so. He changed his mind about what he was about to do because somebody cared enough to ask him to do it. This is God saying, priests, I want you to ask me to think the best I can possibly think about my people. To shift my countenance to see them as good as can be seen. That is extraordinary. And the last part is, and give you peace. Peace, shalom, wholeness. And here's my favorite part. It's not part of the prayer, but it's what God intends to do. He says in the last verse, 27, verse 27 there, he says, and so, in other words, in doing this, you pronounce this over my people, he says this, you will invoke my name upon my children. Now, invoke is to impart, in other words, to bring it from the unseen into the seen. Name in Hebrew means identity. So he says, Priest, if you'll do this, this divine declaration, this prayer that you are asking, this petition that you're asking me, will actually carry the power to impart my identity into my kids. And all it requires is that you agree with the declaration. I think God wants to bring us to a revelation awareness that you're the ark. Now I went through three things here. We had the box, then we had Jesus, and now we have it in you. And there's many of you in here maybe say, that sounds really good, Bill, but you have no idea like, about my life and, and, and what I've even done. And honestly, I'm not even worthy. To, that's, just, that's crazy. So I'm going to leave God at a distance, and, and I'm going to you know, leave myself over here, and hopefully when everything is said and done, you know, he'll allow me to get into heaven. Oh, come on. You were, you were born for more than just to pay bills and die. 
You were born to shape the course of world history. You were born to advance the kingdom of God. You were born to put the handiwork of the creator of the universe on display with your very life. It's who you are. And I don't care how much time you've wasted, he's the Lord of time and he can redeem in 10 minutes what you've spent the last 10 years screwing up. It's true. It's true. For some of you, you're thinking God can't repair your reputation. Listen, how you're known in heaven is the only thing that matters when everything is said and done. And in that place of surrender, in that place of surrender to saying, God, I don't understand, it doesn't make any sense, but I agree with your declaration over my life, you begin to watch that identity of Father, Spirit, and Son start to manifest within you. And you will be surprised how God can redeem every moment that you've been labeling as a regret. It's what he's like. That's who he is. So I'd like you at this last part of this last session tonight to just stand with me. And just stretch your hands out like this. And I'm just going to pronounce a declaration of the blessing over you. And how you receive this in this moment is entirely up to you. But if you agree with this declaration in your heart, I'm going to believe that God is going to do a quick and powerful work in your spirit that will seal this word up in you for all eternity. And that the desire of the nations will start manifesting himself strong in you. So I say, may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance on you and give you peace. And I just release that peace in this room right now. I just release the peace of God in this room right now. I release the peace of God to dismantle every lie of the enemy in your life right now. I release the peace of God to invade every sickness and every disease, every pain and affliction that you've carried. I release the peace of God into your finances now. I release the peace of God over over your heart and over your mind as you begin to think his thoughts. All right, now take your hands and put it on the person next to you. You're touching the ark, you know. Everybody still alive? We all good? All right. Now I want you to practice releasing this, praying this over someone else. Say this with me. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And may he cause his face to shine on you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' name. 
Pastor Tim. Amen. Let's just lift up a shout of praise tonight. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. tunnel or something? I don't know. It's like. <laughs> I literally was standing here trying to figure out how to say one sentence. Um, I'm not as thin as you drunk I am. Uh, we got to pray for Bill. Get some people up in here. Holy Spirit, uh, we say, Bill, please don't um, stop taking risks. Please don't get too comfortable. And um, just never lose the wonder that at the end of the day, it's not about even changing the world. It's honestly about something so much more immediate than that. It's about being loved and loving. And um, God, would you bless Bill? I say more. I say more. I say more. Thank you for the grace of a father. Thank you for the grace of sonship. Those two simple things, God, that I'm asking for more. That there would be those he fathers and there would be those whom he teaches just how to be God's son. And that's really the essence of, of your mandate over your life, isn't it? You're, you're teaching, you're, you're fathering people into their sonship. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> We're trying to pray for him and he can't help himself. He's, he's doing impartation up here. <laughs> God, we bless what you're blessing and you're blessing him. We honor who you've honored and you are honoring Bill. You're honoring his wife. You're honoring the, all, all the practical stuff of his life. You're, you're, honoring, you're honoring him and you're giving him time. You're giving him money. You're giving him space. You're giving him margin. You're giving him insights and wisdom. You're giving him people. You're, you're putting together his dream team for the next task, and then the task after that will be a great adventure as well. More God. More God. Imagination. Imagination. If you can dream it, you can do it. Um, I do want to say an amen. And you, can, you feel free, Bill. Keep on praying to people. Uh, if it's still in your heart to pray for people, 
and to receive prayer, go after that just because the official service time is over. I've experienced that um, the best stuff happens after we say you're dismissed. And I'm not even joking. (laughs) Two hours later, when you finally leave this place, if you can pick yourself up off the floor. Thanks for coming, guys. I love you.